Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with another historic case coming to the Supreme Court. The justices have agreed to rule on former President Donald Trump's claim of immunity. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This case will involve the potential immunity from criminal prosecution and will be historic. It will determine whether Trump will stand trial for the 2020 election interference charges. The ruling also puts on hold the Washington, D.C. election interference trial, which was due to start next week. Trump has been pushing to put off any trials until after the election. The court says it will hear arguments the week of April 22nd. When the court will rule as a question, though, it usually hands down its decisions at the end of its term in late June. But it could expedite things. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Ed, thanks. Well, in another legal battle involving the former president, an Illinois judge has barred Donald Trump from appearing on the Republican presidential primary ballot. That marks the third state to impose such a ban on the former president for his role in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Now, this is just breaking on the Bloomberg, Karen, a new poll on the presidential election. It appears even those voters who support President Biden are concerned that he may be too old for the job. Bloomberg's Amy Morris reports from Washington. The Bloomberg News Morning Consult poll finds swing state voters across nearly every major demographic group describe President Biden as too old. Even among those who say they plan to vote for Biden in November, 7 in 10 are concerned about his age. Almost half of respondents say Republican rival Donald Trump is too old, but Trump is also facing his own vulnerabilities, with most saying the GOP frontrunner is dangerous. As many as half of swing state voters say they would not vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted in a criminal case. And while the economy remains the top issue among swing state voters, more are starting to turn their attention to border security. In Washington, Amy Morris, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Amy, thanks. Well, President Biden is turning his attention to the border today. He'll be in Brownsville, Texas, to meet with Border Patrol agents and law enforcement. On the same day, former President Trump plans to visit Eagle Pass, Texas, the epicenter of the recent migrant spike more than 300 miles away. Larry Sabato with the University of Virginia Center for Politics says President Biden knows the border issue is a political weak spot. The Democrats haven't focused enough on the border. And so Biden is going to have to make his case at the border repeatedly. And he's got a new weapon to use. The fact that House Republicans killed the bipartisan bill that would have addressed most of their concerns. And the University of Virginia's Larry Sabato says the president is likely to use the trip to pressure lawmakers to pass that bipartisan Senate bill. Republicans in the Senate, meanwhile, Karen, are going to have to decide just how loyal they want their next leader to be to Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell is stepping away from leadership after the November election. He hinted at the fight to come in his announcement. Believe me, I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. 
Leader McConnell's most likely successors are known as the Three Johns, John Thune of South Dakota, John Cornyn of Texas, and John Barrasso of Wyoming. Unlike McConnell, all three have endorsed former President Trump, though Thune held out till just this week. Well, Nathan, another partial government shutdown is a step closer to being averted. Congressional leaders struck a last-minute deal to provide one more week of funding after this Saturday's deadline and keep parts of the government funded through the end of September. Other agencies, including the Defense and Homeland Security Departments, would still face a shutdown deadline of March 23rd. Hardline Republicans, including South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman, are already blasting the deal. American people deserve better than this. You wouldn't run a peanut stand over how Congress is trying to do the national budget. And Republican Congressman Ralph Norman tells Bloomberg's balance of power he'll vote against another stopgap. Speaker Mike Johnson plans to bring the one-week extension to the House floor today. Turning to the markets and the economy now, Karen, futures are headed lower ahead of a key report closely watched by the Fed. The core PCE deflator, the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation, is due out at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Let's get a preview now from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Markets have finally come into alignment with the Fed, betting on three rate cuts this year. That's after consumer and producer price inflation came in hotter than expected in January, suggesting the central bank needs to keep the economy's brakes on. Today, we get the Fed's primary inflation indicator, personal consumption prices, based more on what people actually are buying each month. Unfortunately, it's forecast to echo the other price numbers, rising more than expected for January. Some analysts think it could rise as much as half a percent after increasing just 17 basis points last month. That kind of result may increase speculation Fed officials might adjust their own rate forecast at their March meeting. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Mike, thanks. Well, as we await the PCE deflator data, an email regarding another economic report is causing confusion on Wall Street. We get the latest from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. All right, thanks, Karen. The number crunchers at the Labor Department sent out an email to a group of super users and then tried to retract it. It suggested a surge in owner's equivalent rent that showed up in the CPI was caused by an adjustment to how components of the index are weighted. The adjusted weights could keep ratings on rents elevated through the first half of the year. With well, a pop in owner's equivalent rent, that was a major factor behind the strength of the overall January CPI figure. That surprised just about everybody. Those higher-than-expected CPI numbers have been cited by Federal Reserve officials as a reason to delay interest rate cuts. John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. Well, John, uh, more Fed officials are saying the future of rates depends on incoming economic data. New York Fed President John Williams says the rate path will follow the numbers rather than the calendar. Back in December, my colleagues and I put out what we call projections or forecasts, and the median was for three rate cuts this year uh, in, in 2024. Well, we're data dependent. We're going to watch the data. I'm going to watch the data. A sign of success to me is that, you know, with inflation coming down and the economy so, you know, so strong that we can, you know, be thinking about doing that, I would say, later this year. And those thoughts from New York Fed President John Williams were echoed by Boston's Susan Collins and Atlanta's Raphael Bostic. Well, let's check out some stocks on the move, Nathan. As we close out the trading month, shares of Snowflake plunging 23%. The software maker delivering a disappointing sales forecast and announcing that chief executive Frank Sludman is stepping down from the role. Investors are trimming shares of WW International. The owner of Weight Watchers says Oprah Winfrey is going to leave the board, and that stock is down 22.5%. Shares of AMC Entertainment down almost 8%. The world's largest theater chain reporting fourth quarter earnings that fell short of Wall Street estimates. 
Now with a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world, we bring in Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A series of wildfires in Texas covers an area larger than the state of Rhode Island. The explosive growth of the second largest wildfire in the state's history slowed as winds and temperatures dipped, but the massive blaze was still untamed. The Smokehouse Fire is the largest of several major fires burning in the rural panhandle section of the state, destroying homes, ranches, and livestock. One fire swept through the town of Canadian. Nim Kidd is with the Texas Emergency Management Division. And we don't want people going back if the evacuation orders are still in place. I believe this fire will grow before it uh, gets fully contained. Yes. So far, an 83-year-old grandmother is the only confirmed death. Just a day after dozens of migrants were discovered living in the basement of a Queens furniture store, more migrants were found at another furniture store in the Bronx. The owner of the Bronx store on East Kingbridge Road is apparently the same owner of the Queen store. Yesterday, authorities said it was discovered dozens of West African migrants paid deposits and $300 a month to stay in the illegal tiny retail space. New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced the release of the Green Economy Action Plan. The mayor says it's a first-of-its-kind plan that lays out a roadmap to invest in jobs and sectors that will help the city combat climate change. Adams made the announcement yesterday when the city had unseasonably mild temperatures. Climate change is real. We see it every time uh, we see the coastal storms. And let's be clear, we are in uh, February and you can go outside without a jacket on. About 400,000 projected green-collar jobs are expected in the city by 2040. The Commerce Department says the U.S. will investigate potential data and cybersecurity risks posed by Chinese electric vehicles and other Internet-connected cars. That's according to an administration official who requested anonymity. Comedian and actor Richard Lewis has died. Lewis was well known as a stand-up comic and actor, but probably most notable for playing a fictional version of himself on HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, I have better news for you. I'm leaving you in my will. I'm tweaking it, and you're in it. No, no, no. Don't, don't do that. It's done. You're in. I don't want to be in it. I have money. I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. When I die, I want you to know how much I care about you. I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to give it to charity. You're my best friend. You're getting it. According to his publicist, Richard Lewis died peacefully at his home in Los Angeles after suffering a heart attack at age 76. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thank you. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Check of the NHL standings right now. Finds that no team has more points than the Rangers at the Garden. They made 11 wins the last 12 games. They beat the only team that has beaten them during that time. Three nights after the Rangers lost in Columbus. They beat the Blue Jackets 4-1. to one Pair of goals for Artemi Panarin against his old team. 30 saves for Igor Shesterkin. Rangers' 40th win in half of them. Shesterkin has allowed no more than two goals. At MSG tonight, it's the banged-up and slumpy Knicks against the Warriors. Always a hot ticket when Steph Curry comes to town. Battle of L.A. last night, the Lakers trailed the Clippers by 21 in the fourth quarter. LeBron James brought the Lakers back to victory. He outscored the Clippers by himself in the fourth. Chicago beat Cleveland in double overtime. Big E, St. John's, third straight win, 82-69 at Butler. Seton Hall lost by 21 at Creighton. Also, fifth-ranked Marquette won by 22. In the ACC, Duke 
beat Louisville. Duke star center Kyle Filipowski did play despite the knee injury suffered when Wake Forest fans stormed the court last Saturday. And Port St. Lucie win for the Mets. Now 4-1. Pete Alonzo homered. So did Trace Thompson for already the second time. One thing seems certain about the Jets roster in 2024. It won't include Zach Wilson. The Jets general manager is Joe Douglas. I've had good conversation with his agent Brian Ariel. Um, we where we are exactly. We, we've given we've given them permission um, to talk to other teams about a trade. Um, I'm going to circle back with Brian at some point, um, either this week or next week, just to see how those conversations go. Um, but um, other than that, there's there's nothing else to report. Jets owner Woody Johnson recently said the Jets need a backup quarterback because last season they didn't have one. A clear shot at Wilson, who certainly struggled after Aaron Rodgers went down. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Thank you, John. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now let's get right back to all that's happening in the nation's capital. Former President Donald Trump's immunity claims are about to get an airing at the Supreme Court. Border security is about to take center stage in the campaign in a split-screen moment for President Biden and former President Trump. And Mitch McConnell's departure is setting up a GOP leadership fight in the Senate. For more on all this and more happening in the nation's capital, Greg Valliere is back with us, chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. It's difficult to know where to start, Greg, but we'll do so with this Supreme Court decision to hear the immunity claims from former President Trump. First off, were you surprised that the high court decided to take this up? No, I thought it would come. Uh, I think, though, the real angle here, Nathan, is how long this could delay the process. I mean, Trump is brilliant at delaying and appealing, dragging things out. And I think that this Supreme Court case could go well into the summer, maybe into the fall. Could we have an inauguration with uh, these legal charges still hanging over Trump? And to that point, the Supreme Court says it's going to hear arguments in late April. Why wait till then? Uh, hard to say. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. But I do feel that th- this is going to go on for many months. Yeah, you mentioned that it could happen uh, right around inauguration time that these uh, cases could still be hanging over the former president. But if the court does rule against uh, former President Trump and find that he's not immune to prosecution, it goes back, I assume, to the lower court that has indicated that it's going to try this case or at least try to get it done relatively quickly. So uh, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think the the wild card here is the ability of Trump to, if he wins uh, re-election, to get his new attorney general and others to pardon him, to drop the charges. And I think that is a, a threat that you cannot dismiss. And it's something that a lot of voters are going to be grappling with, I would imagine, as uh, this 2024 campaign goes on. I mean, the former president has managed, as you say, to uh, turn his legal troubles to his political advantage. But if he's facing some serious charges like the ones that special counsel Jack Smith has brought against the former president, do you see that dynamic shifting at all? 
Well, it's worth noting that Smith was not happy yesterday at the prospect that this could uh, drag on. And I think Smith has to be concerned that it could be October and this trial could still be uh, uh, ongoing. That would be uh, very unnerving for the for the U.S., of course, there are so many issues at play in this race, not the least of which, of, of, I mean, uppermost for most voters uh, in the polls is uh, immigration. And we're yep. about to have this split screen moment in Texas for Biden and Trump at the border. How important could today be when it comes to the narrative around border security? Oh, I'm a cynic. I think this is just a photo op for uh, uh, both of them. Uh, I, you know, you'd love to see some progress toward reviving the deal that died uh, a few weeks ago, but I don't see it. I think both parties will keep immigration as a political issue for the fall election. So you don't think that bipartisan Senate bill gets revived anytime soon? I don't think so. I mean, the, the, the vehicle, of course, would be aid to uh, Ukraine. And if you could put that all together in a deal, it, you, you might be able to revive it. But it's already failed once in the House. Uh, we'll see about uh, Mike Johnson. He's shown a little bit more skill as a negotiator in the last uh, week or two. You know, maybe he can put a deal together, but I wouldn't bet on it. You know, a lot of these issues, I would imagine, are going to come into play as we get closer to a leadership fight in the Senate with Mitch McConnell's surprise announcement that he's stepping down after the November election. Where do you see this leadership fight going? What could the next Republican leader look like when it comes to support for loyalty to former President Trump? Well, ironically, in the Senate, uh, there's only a handful of Republicans who uh, who support Trump, and uh, with McConnell uh, leaving, it makes things even more difficult for for the president. So, I, I think that uh, within the Senate, we're going to see several uh, candidates emerge, maybe half a dozen. Uh, but clearly, the, the the torch has been passed. I mean, uh, McConnell had a huge influence on U.S. foreign policy and defense and Ukraine, uh, and and judicial nominations, and whoever succeeds him has really big shoes to fill. Just quickly, are you ready to make a call on who that next leader might be? I'd say maybe John Cornyn of Texas as a placeholder. Uh, John Barrasso of uh, out Western Wyoming has a chance, and so does Thune of South Dakota, although Thune's been very cool to Trump. This is going to be a Trump Senate, no question about it. Okay, Greg Valier, a comprehensive uh, roundup of all that's happening in the nation's capital. Greg, thanks again for being with us, Chief U.S. Policy Strategist at AGF Investments. Now we want to go even deeper on the dynamics uh, driving this presidential campaign. In the results from our latest Bloomberg News morning consult poll of voters in swing states that will be key in deciding the 2024 election. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg National Politics reporter Gregory Cordy. And Greg, just to take a broad view of this poll, it seems like the choice that most swing state voters say they have in a likely rematch between President Biden and former President Trump is, do I choose the guy who's too old or the guy who's too dangerous? Yeah, that was exactly what uh, came out of this, Paul, is we asked these swing state voters to kind of tell us which of these two candidates is described by uh, a, a number of different characteristics, one of which is too old. And and this poll came in the in the uh, aftermath of this 
uh, her report into President Biden's uh, handling of classified information, in which he said he characterized Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory. And that really resonated with voters uh, across every single demographic group in our poll. And, and we have 105 different crosstabs in this poll. Every single one of them said Biden is too old, 82% overall. And that's just a stunning number. The Americans who don't agree on much agree on that. And then a, a smaller number, but a significant number, about 52% say that President, uh, former President Trump is is dangerous. And so uh, very strong personalities and very strong and um, and calcified opinions that Americans have of these two men. And it gets to sort of the dynamic that I think we've talked about playing out in this race uh, for quite some time, that when it comes to President Biden and former President Trump, it seems like most voters have more negative opinions of these two front runners than positive. Yeah, and we're seeing uh, really uh, significant numbers of what we call double haters, people who say they have a negative impression of both of these men and not really having a place to go. Uh, we do see that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. continues to get, you know, a, a good amount of, of support, not enough to to win or perhaps even make a difference in, in any one state. But there there is a third party possibility of a third party candidate still out there. But across these seven swing states, uh, former President Trump still leads Biden. Uh, an average of 5% across all the, the states and in each and every one of them. Some are within the margin of error, uh, some not. But by, uh, Trump's lead over Biden has been pretty consistent in every poll that we've had in the five months so far. Yeah, I know we've uh, talked about some of the issues that uh, voters are thinking about as well in these polls that we've done over the past several months. We've seen immigration sort of rise to the top. Is that still the case now? Yeah, well, not immigration hasn't risen quite to the top yet. The economy is still the number one issue. It goes back to, you know, what James Carville said during the, uh, the Bill Clinton's uh, 1992 campaign. It's the economy, stupid. It is still the economy, but as the economy slowly gets better, and we're starting to see that the percentage of Americans who say the U.S. economy is on the right track has gone up since last October, uh, and that's giving room for voters to think about other issues. And the issue that they're thinking about is the crisis at the southern border. We have both Biden and Trump going to the border today uh, to two different spots, 260 miles apart, uh, which just, I think, reinforces how uh, salient of an issue that both of these men know that that issue is. And we're seeing it in our swing states poll. And as far as the horse race goes, just to get down to the numbers, I think last month we'd found that Trump was leading Biden in all seven swing states that we poll. Has that changed in this current tally? That continues to be the case. And I'm just looking at these numbers. I'll rattle one off to you. Uh, Arizona, Trump leads by six. Georgia also by six. Michigan by two. That's always been a pretty good uh, state for Biden, but he's still losing it by two. Nevada, Trump leads by six. North Carolina, Trump leads by nine. In Pennsylvania, he's up by six. And Wisconsin, Trump is up by four. And so that averages out to a five-point uh, lead across those seven swing states. And as I say, that's been pretty consistent. There, there hasn't been a month where Joe Biden has been able to really uh, crack a lead in any of those seven swing states. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.